Good morning, Awakening Church, and those of you who are viewing um, on this Memorial Day weekend. Indeed, it was Jesus Christ who said, Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And uh, it doesn't quite seem like a Memorial Day weekend because of uh, the uh, social distancing and stay-at-home orders, even though things are opening up a bit. But on this Memorial Day weekend, we do want to focus on the hope that we have in Christ and uh, that hope comes through what he accomplished for us. If you uh, have a loved one who passed away uh, in military service, our hearts go out to you. And we do remember those who gave their lives sacrificially so that we could have the freedoms that we have in our world today and in America. And uh, we know that those who have gone before us and laid down their lives so that we could have our freedoms have a hope that we're going to be talking about as well today. And so you can lean into that. Jesus Christ, he had all things under control, even though it looked like things were out of control in his life. And I want you to know that wherever you're at today in your life, that Jesus Christ is there to minister to you. And he too would call you a friend because he, wants, he laid down his life for you. I want to encourage us as a church family as we continue to worship in these days um, that this is coming to an end. And uh, we had some good news this week from the President of the United States uh, designating churches as essential places. Really appreciated that. And uh, we also had word from Riverside that they could expedite some of their opening up phases. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing what the governor of California says out here uh, tomorrow. And uh, we're going to be determining some of our opening from uh, that kind of direction leaning. Uh, I would say, if you ask me personally, uh, next week, probably not. But the week after that, probably so. Uh, there are some things that we need to be putting together, uh, including taking care of this facility that uh, has sort of rid, uh, lied dormant for a while and also getting some of our live stream together. As I mentioned last week, it is our plan when we step back into having public uh, worship gatherings to be a both and kind of church. We want to be able to have a great worship experience as we gather together, uh, one with another, but also for those who want to stay safe and uh, feel that they need to be at home and to watch. We want to be able to up the ante on our live stream some, and so we're looking at maybe some new equipment coming in this week and all that, because to do both of them simultaneously, both in-service worship and, well, on live stream, is going to take a little bit more work for us. So uh, you can look forward to that, and however God leads you in the weeks to come, and we will get word out and be clear with our notice as to when you can come and how you need to come and, and the guidelines that we need to be operating by in a public gathering. But uh, things do look very encouraging and uh, it's sort of, um, I don't know, building anticipation in my own spirit as I know the other staff and board members as well, that we would be able to be back together in the physical presence of one another, worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. I do know next week, though, that we uh, have some opportunities for you and whether you are um, a regular attender of The Awakening or maybe you're new just even looking in on live stream today, uh, and if you are, we welcome you to The Awakening. We're glad to have you here and would love to see you in, a, uh, in just a few uh, days when we can open maybe. And so I want to encourage us to know that we are the church and we are not closed. We haven't been closed. That's why we're not calling in a reopening. We're calling in a re-entry. And as the church being the church, encouraging one another, whether it's through a live stream or a Zoom small group or interact with people or dropping something off, we want to be there for one another. And God has called us in this season for the last couple now, three months, to sort of dig out our ears and ask what he's saying to us. And one of those things is that we need to, to continue to pivot to be thinking differently as to how we can be more of an outreach-oriented church. And so next Sunday, and after you watch the live stream next Sunday and what's going on from there, I want to encourage you to come to the church and be a part of a serve event at noon. And uh, we'll practice appropriate social distancing with that, but we're going to head up the uh, freeway to a sister Alliance Church who has preparations all made for helping uh, make plastic one-time use gowns as uh, PPE uh, for those who are in hospitals working or other kinds of frontline people. And so come at noon here at the building next Sunday. 
All right, you got that? You want to come to church next Sunday? I know you can come to church at noon. So come at noon next Sunday for our serve event. And not only will we be uh, helping make uh, these uh, one-time use gowns, but we are also looking at having a cleaning day for the church and getting it all ready and set up as we come back into re-entry. If you're interested in the serve event, whether with uh, going to our sister church or helping here at this facility, email serve at theawakening.church. That serve at theawakening.church. Just say, hey, I'm in. I want to be a part of it. Maybe if you want to uh, do the um, trip up the road or if you want to help at the church, just let us know on that. We're asking for those, especially that go up the road, uh, to help put the gowns together that you're 16 and above. So that's the main announcement today. Things are breaking open, and we for sure are going to be doing our serve event next Sunday at noon. Email that address there on the screen. For those of you who would like to give to today's offering, uh, I encourage you to uh, just text the word AWAKENING to the number 77977. 77977 is the number. AWAKENING is the word that you place in there. Well, we're going to step back into a series that we started just last week called The New Normal. And for those of you who are dialed into the whole COVID journey, that whole new normal is a little bit of a buzzword, but we're taking that in terms of some new normals as it relates to God and the relationship he has for us in Christ. But before we step into that, I would like us to pray this morning uh, in light of Memorial Day weekend. And it's not just for loved ones who served in the military branches that passed away. Um, there's other loss I know that we remember on Memorial Day of loved ones, family members. And I would just like us to pray together as a church family, if you'd bow your heads where you're at in your living rooms or wherever. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that on this day, Memorial Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, we can praise you because the hope that we have in you. Lord, we thank you for laying down your life and that we are called your friends, that you desire for us to have life. And Lord, as we look at that today, I just pray, God, that you would stir our spirits and encourage us and quicken us. Lord, for any families that have experienced loss in this past year, those who maybe had loss in prior years from um, loved ones who died in military service, or Lord, we really remember all who laid down their lives, and whether it was a world war, or Vietnam war, or Korean war, Lord, Iraq, Afghanistan, Lord, we just thank you that uh, there was uh, the provision made for them to have a hope if they followed in you. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us as a people in our nation be mindful of the sacrifices that were made so that we can have our freedom. And Lord, may you minister to the families at hand, especially if they're uh, grieving loss afresh and anew today on this Memorial Day weekend. Lord, we love you. We pray your anointing upon your word today. Uh, Lord, it was so great to be led um, by Jennifer and Jamie in worship. And we just pray, God, that you would lead us into your word here this morning as we focus on the new normal of eternity. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Well, the new normal, we talked last week when Jesus Christ came, he brought a new normal in that he did not lord it over people, he served people. Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus also said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life away as a ransom for many. So we looked last week at the basin and the town. You can go back and rewatch that on YouTube on our website. But Jesus Christ inaugurated a new world when he came into this life. And for that, we are recipients. If you joined us last week, I closed with a very personal kind of prayer and a remembrance of somebody who served me in my life and has served the uh, Christian world, literally the whole world, very well. And that is Robbie Zacharias. And uh, last week, he was uh, in a very bad place with cancer. And Robbie um, uh, was actually just speaking in January, traveling the globe. He's spoken in 70-some different countries, written 30-some different books, and uh, done so for 48 years. And we showed this picture here of Ravi and his wife, Margie, who just celebrated their 48th anniversary. Sadly, when I woke up on Tuesday morning, though, word came that Ravi had passed away. And so this great man of God who was 
uh, so mightily used in many sectors, in university settings, young adults, as well as seasoned uh, believers in hotbeds around the world and uh, other religious uh, environments where um, I personally had seen him, you know, take on some pretty tough questions. Ravi, in one sense, is, uh, could be referred to as the great apologist. He was an evangelist, but he was a defender of the faith. An apologist is not somebody who makes an apology for the faith, but defends the faith. In fact, uh, this week, as he passed away, all kinds of tributes came rolling in concerning Ravi Zacharias, and maybe some of you read them. And it's just overwhelming to realize how many people he touched and the strength that he gave them related to their own belief and their own faith. Uh, the vice president, Mike Pence, uh, gave a word of tribute and the White House press secretary, um, Kaylee, and she uh, actually recorded a, a little bit of a video on, CNN, on a uh, Christian broadcasting network of what Ravi meant to her. And Kaylee, um, one of the things that she said was that, you know, when you're in the midst of a lot of atheists and a lot of intellectualism and academia, it was just so enriching to have Ravi as well as his ministry there showing that you don't have to set aside your brain to be able uh, to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and to believe in God. And I firmly believe that the legacy that he leaves in his life his books, his recordings, and his ministry, which now has over 100 other evangelists, I believe, that are a part of that and, and other staff members, uh, will continue to produce fruit in the years to come. I closed with that last week, but it's been a very uh, sobering week for me. Um, I'm, I've been trying to figure it out because I know where Ravi is. You know where those who are in Christ especially those who serve so well, are once they pass and step on the other side of heaven. But it's been striking me in some ways, and I've been trying to figure it out, and I think it's because he was so instrumental, not only in some of the mentoring in my life and the encouragement, really he was instrumental in God calling me into ministry and the calling the Lord has re-gripped me with this week concerning um, what I'm to do for him has been immense. Simply put, it was interesting, and I think maybe I broadsided, gave some mention to it last week, but in Ravi's uh, biography book, Walking East, From East to West, he talks about his life story, and I am privileged to be one of three students that he actually mentions in that book, and I had not gone back to look at that book until early this morning, and for some reason I thought I would look it up, and sure enough, on page 190, there's Carrie Bowman's name. And I'm like, wow, that's incredible uh, that somebody would put me in a book. But the words I hadn't read for a while that he made mention of, and it again gripped me this morning. Let me read these for you. It simply says this. It was a time in 1983. Ravi had just spoken at the Billy Graham Amsterdam Conference, uh, which uh, Billy Graham brought together about 4,000 evangelists from around the world. Uh, Ravi is a bit unknown at the time. And uh, Ravi uh, was invited by Billy Graham, didn't even know Billy Graham knew him. And at the age of 37, he stood and spoke and gave a challenge to the evangelists at that time concerning being able to address the, the tough questions of the world and to do it with integrity and heart, not just to slam people and try to win them, uh, win the argument, but to win them to Christ. And uh, Ravi's always had that compassionate ability to reach both the mind and the heart. He had just come back from that, but on his way back, he was returning to uh, the Alliance Theological Seminary, which he was teaching at for just a couple, three years, by request of our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance. And uh, on his way back, he realized that God was stirring in his heart, and he told his wife about a passion and a desire, and they shared together, of starting their own ministry, which is now uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, RZIM. Well, somehow on his way back in eight, that summer of 83, uh, he had come across my sister who was in Houston, Texas. She walked up to him, showed him my picture, said, this is my brother. He wants to be an evangelist, but he doesn't know what he's doing. At that time, I had just graduated from college and I was home working on our family's farm. And uh, I got back from a class. Actually, I was taken for a master's program in a local uh, school. And my mom said, you'll never guess who called. I said, oh, who, Mom? And she said, Ravi Zacharias. Well, in the Alliance, if Ravi Zacharias is mentioned, that's like having Billy Graham mentioned. And so I said, no way. And sure enough, he ended up calling me. We talked, and he said, I'd like you to come to the seminary and be a part of things. And so in that uh, 
season, I went out there and I talked with him in the fall of 83 about coming in uh, the 1st of January of 84. And it was there that he shared with me that he would uh, not be staying longer than one semester. I could take everything that he was offering and, of course, come underneath some of his influence and that he was going to start his own ministry. But this is what he says uh, concerning three of us at that season he was a part of in Nyack, New York. But for me, my closest friends in the seminary days uh, became my students because I saw something in them and envisioned what they could be. Three young guys in particular, Rick Pease, Steve Goodwin, and Kerry Bowman, all were passionate for Christ. They were sharp students and deeply committed, and I worked personally with each of them. I pointed them to role models and put them in the hands of other mentors. These young men were special, and, were, and we all have stayed in touch over the years. Steve Goodwin, a brilliant guy, went on to serve many mission terms in Hungary and Germany. Kerry Bowman became the pastor of a large church in Indianapolis, and Rick Pease became CEO of a Japanese corporation in the U.S. called NK, and he also ended up sitting on Ravi's board and eventually serving some on his staff. My reward in all this, he says, and this is what struck me this morning when I reread it and why I bring it to you today, not because, hey, my name's in Ravi's book. My reward in all this, Robbie says, was seeing their lives shaped to the calling Christ has given them. Well, when you read those words, it inevitably calls you back to the question, is my life still being shaped to the calling that Christ has given me? And I want you to know, especially as we stand on the precipice of re-entering God has called me not only to have a pastor's heart, but God has called me from the early years to be an evangelist. And to be an evangelist doesn't necessarily mean traveling around and doing itinerant speaking, which maybe I thought in some of my early years. An evangelist meeting takes the evangel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and offering it to people who are desperately in need. And we as a church, as we re-enter, we need to be an evangelistic church. Not just an outreach church helping, encouraging people, and we're going to be doing more of that. But we are going to proclaim the message of Christ as well as demonstrate the ministry of Christ. And so I've asked God to convict me afresh and anew about my calling. And I think that's why I've been so reflective in these days. I mean, we got word a couple months ago about Ravi's sudden cancer out of nowhere. And then it was just a few days ago saying that he was going to be flown back to Atlanta to be with family from the hospital in Houston. And then just a few days after that, he's gone to be with the Lord. And it's not just the loss of a great mentor and a friend and evangelist for the world. What God's done in these days for me is bring a fresh conviction about, where you at, Carrie? What's going on? One of the last tough conversations that Ravi ever had with me was at a general council meeting a number of years ago when pastoring a larger church in Indianapolis, we had uh, decided to do a satellite campus. I was pouring a lot of my time in the satellite campus. I turned the reins over uh, uh, to some of the speaking opportunity in the larger congregation and other things. And, and I really wasn't uh, preaching as much. And uh, still trying to do the evangelism outreach thing by maybe satelliting another church. But Ravi sat across the table, a lunch table for me with my son, my oldest son, Ryan. And he was catching up on my life. And after he heard about what I was doing a little bit here and there and knowing my heart and having that experience with me uh, in seminary a number of years ago and having traveled with him to India and Amsterdam, of course, and being a part of some of his early president council's meetings of his ministry and, and being in touch with him, he just looked at me across from the lunch table and he said, Carrie, why aren't you preaching anymore? And I paused and I tried to give a little bit of account of myself. Well, I sort of still am here and there. Starting to, but he brought me back to a, a deep conviction about my calling to have the heart of an evangelist. And whether it's in preaching or serving or counseling or coming alongside of people, that's what he put into my heart. And I have to be true about that. What's God put into your heart? And are you true to what God's calling you to do in this day and age? You see, these days are short and things change on us. I actually took that word of exhortation from Robert Ravi, went back after 
a sabbatical season to realign some things in the ministry I was a part of and, and some stuff sort of went some different directions than uh, what was known and thought and uh, I was asked to resign. And so I stepped away from that ministry very wounded, very lost. But when I came here to Southern California, it was a clear call of the Lord Jesus Christ that said, Carrie, I'm going to take you, I'm going to move you far away from your experience as a farm kid in Indiana, and I'm going to put you in the midst of a world that needs some great evangelism. And I tell you what, as I tell people, Southern California is a different mission field than the Midwest. But God has been working in our midst. And when I came to this church, the awakening, I said, let's rock the valley for Jesus Christ. We've had some highs and lows as we've transitioned. But when we came up into this COVID-19 journey, I was like, man, we're rocking. We got the awakening sign out by the interstate and, and things were growing, some new freshness and smug staff. And then this all hit. But I tell you what, God has a plan and a purpose in it. And us just being able to come to you via live stream today was one of those plans and purposes. I believe our outreach is not only for this valley, of the Temecula Valley, but also Southern California and maybe even beyond that as God would so lead. Not because of, oh, look at us, look at what we do, but because lost people matter to God and what Jesus Christ did and laying his life down for others needs to be proclaimed and we need to be about that business. We don't know how short our days may be. And Ravi Zacharias would have never thought that he would not have maybe some of the latter years of his life to spend in some other kinds of ways. But he pressed it all the way up until the end, and now he's in the presence of the Lord. So that reflection that struck me this week, I finally started to dig it out and thought, why am I so heavy and reflective in this? And it wasn't just because of his passing and the loss of a mentor. It's because Jesus has spoken to me and says, Carry lead and lead well. And let's make sure we stay on the mission. And our mission as a church, the Awakening Church, is more and more people becoming fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And so will you join me in these coming days and pray? When I came here this morning to be able to give this live stream, there was a couple of our main core people that were outside the glass doors. And they were praying over the church and for the re-entry in the weeks and months ahead. Friends, we'll try to do it right. We'll try to protect things, but we're going to be on mission and I want to invite you to pray because we have a new normal that we're stepping into as a church because Jesus brought a new normal into our world. And that new normal was for us to serve. I want to ask you this question, though, in light of Robbie's passing, in light of a Memorial Day weekend. What is our new normal as a Christian when we die? You see, my mind's gone there because as I look forward, I start to realize I have fewer days forward now than I have behind me. And that's a big change sometimes as we grow older. And the new normal that God is calling us to as a church is to be evangelistic and to reach those who need to know Christ. And maybe you're one of those this morning, you've never had that opportunity to know Christ. Because it's not just this life for which we would serve Christ. Jesus says, I've come that your life um, may be lived to the fullest. The Satan, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it to the fullest, Jesus says. But it's not just for this life, it's into eternity. And so I've been asking this question in light of Robbie's passing, in light of my calling, in light of Memorial Day weekend. What is our new normal as a Christian when we die? And as surely as Robbie said to me, why aren't you preaching anymore? I'm just going to give it my college try here, my seminary try. I want to preach on what the new normal is that we need to keep in mind as we serve the Lord and even as we come out of being bunkered away in all of our safe places. Scriptures teach that there's heaven. But a lot of times we think in terms of heaven as a disembodied place where our spirit goes. Scripture is not to be understood through a Greek philosophical mindset, which even Plato sort of had this disembodied spirit that goes to heaven. But Plato and others uh, didn't fully know that which Scripture teaches. And the Hebrew concept is much different than what we often think as Christians. Oh, what happens when you die? Oh, you die and you go to heaven, if you're a follower of Christ, right? You die and you go to heaven. And it becomes this uh, ethereal place that, you know, what's, what's going on there? 
is there a, um, uh, a spirit just floating around maybe six inches off the ground and there's some telepathy and telecommunication going on and, and we sort of go maybe into a soul sleep for a while and then there's some other things that happen. There's a lot of confusion with it. But we need to get a little bit of a better picture because Jesus was very clear and Scripture is very clear about eternity future. And that eternity future is going to help us to find today and live life out in the way he's called us to. But Scripture seems to allude that there is an intermediary heaven after a Christian dies, what we would refer to as life after death. Our friend, Robbie Zacharias, where is he at today? He did not cease to exist. This is the first Memorial Weekend that uh, is after my mother passing away in October. My father passed away about five, six years ago. And normally you go to cemeteries and you, and you place wreaths or flowers in different places. And uh, it was last year that I actually, I believe, went with my mom and some other siblings. And we went and we placed flowers at my dad's grave. And I remember asking mom, I said, is this a little weird where you come and here's dad's tombstone and here's the tombstone next to it and it says your name, Norma Jean Bowman. <laughs> and she smiled in her 89-year-old body at the time. And she said, well, Carrie, I've always felt that when you come to a cemetery that really I've been told you're standing on resurrection ground because the dead in Christ will be raised. See, she had an eternal perspective in mind. What happens life after death? If you have loved ones that died this past year and prior years and you still have deep grief, I've been to some of your funerals, the, the funerals of, of people who've lost loved ones this last year. Know this, there is life after death for a believer, a Christian who dies. And scripture seems to refer to it as heaven, but it's an intermediary heaven. Some people uh, question what that state of existence really is. And we're going to talk about that briefly in a second. But you need to know this. If we're going to talk about the new normal for a Christian after they die, it's actually not so much the new normal as depicted in an intermediary heaven after a Christian dies, what's referred to as life after life. But it's something more than that. And so I want us to just look at a couple verses as it relates to the intermediary heaven. The first uh, is 2 Cor 5.8, and the second is Luke 23.43. It seems to be descriptive of this intermediary heaven, life after death. 2 Cor 5.8, the apostle Paul's talking about life and his longings and that type of thing and, and the crisis as he is in. And he's referencing thinking about passing away. And he says, but it would be great if I was to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. In fact, my mom would used to always say that, saying, well, Carrie, you know, if it's absent from the body, present with the Lord. There was that assured idea that once you pass from this life, you're in the presence of the Lord in heaven. And that's true. That's why in Luke 23, 43, Jesus hanging on the cross with two thieves on either side and one of him, one of those thieves, called out and had belief in Christ. And he said to that thief on the cross, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. Not 10 years from now, not another generation from now, today. And so we have this hope as a Christian. Our new normal as a Christian is to be in heaven. And that heaven is in the presence of the Lord. And so I want to encourage you today, because I know with all the uncertainty, especially with a rogue virus going around and other kinds of concerns, we don't know what a day holds. We really don't. In fact, sadly, my son Levi and I were headed home from being out a little bit two days ago, I think it was. And there was a tragic accident at the corner of uh, Winchester and Thompson. Some of you live out that direction. Three cars and a DUI guy plowed into the back of a lady who was trying to turn left. Pushed around into the intersection and she ended up passing away later at the hospital. A young mom leaving behind an 11-year-old boy. Our heart goes out to that family today and our prayers. We'll, Lord, we do not know what a day holds. Robbie didn't know what the last two months of his life here on earth would hold and his journey with cancer. We need to take this hope 
that this life is not all there is. And sometimes I wonder, because we live in a very existentialistic world, if that's what we think. This life is all we get. It's not. We were born with eternity in our hearts. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes, and the Lord is going before us. So if you die, what's your new normal? Your new normal is heaven, an intermediary heaven, but there's much, much more. In fact, the Hebrew understanding of the afterlife and the New Testament in particular is calling us forward to something after life, after death. And that's why the uh, famed New Testament scholar N.T. Wright refers to it as life after life after death. What is life after life after death? And what he's referencing is the new heaven and earth after Christ's return. We don't know when Christ returns, but when Christ returns, he's going to establish a new millennial reign and then a new heaven and new earth. There's all kinds of projections of timelines and how prophecy plays its way out. And we've walked through some of those even this past uh, year as a church. But I want to talk about the new normal because the new normal will be the new heaven and the earth. And that is our destiny, our life after life after death. And in that vision which is reality, we need to grab a hold of a hope for today on this Memorial Day weekend. And long faces, discouragement, need to be lifted by the hope that the believers in Christ had even during persecution because of the truth of the new heaven and the new earth after Christ's return. It says this in Revelation 21. It begins to depict this New life after life after death. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Now I want you to catch something here because this will radically change the way you think about the afterlife. So many times we think about the laughter life like, well, die, well, we die here on earth and we go up into heaven, right? Everything's up, out there, whatever's going on. You know, maybe we forget about everything here. God's going to destroy things. But we think in terms of going up. But in this vision of life after life after death, it says coming down from out of heaven. The afterlife is coming towards us. We're not going away to it. And so if we move past the intermediary heaven kind of understanding, which is sort of vague, and we look at what the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament and the apostles would teach and the revelation to John as the, in the last book of the Bible, it's heaven coming to us. So the new heaven and the new earth, we need to change our thinking in how we go about depicting what the new normal will be. I don't know what the new normal fully means for us as a church. I guess some guidelines are going to come out this week. Social distancing, face masks, don't clean this, stay a part of it. I, I don't know. We're going to navigate all that. But that too will pass. Just as surely as this life, as we know it on earth, will pass. And those of us who are believers in Christ will be into a new dimension someday called the new heaven and the new earth. And it'll be coming down from God, prepared beautifully as a bride dressed for her husband. Let me just read a couple, three more verses there, which is beautiful. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Oh, verse 4 is great. There, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I know for this coronavirus journey, people say, well, we just got to have a vaccine till we can get back to the normal. 
Well, maybe it's not going to be the normal, new normal, and all this debate. I'm like, friends, let's just set it aside. Let's just define reality. We're living in a weird reality right now. But the reality that's in our future will be just as real as this real reality. And the reality that's ahead for us who are in Christ, the new heaven and new earth, will be reality for us. It will truly be a new normal. This last week, uh, there were some heavy rains in the state of Michigan. You have depicted here uh, uh, on this slide a huge river that's flooded, and it actually broke through the dam, and the water started rushing. And when I saw this picture and in light of what we were sharing this week, I'm thinking, you know, that's how our vision of the new normal related to life after death and life after life after death needs to be seen. What's happening is God's redemption of all the earth is not just individuals, but the earth itself that he created originally from paradise. It is being orchestrated from the heavens and the new heaven and the new earth is going to rush in and impose itself upon the earth and all things will be made new. And so we sit around and really what's happening right now is the world is waiting. The world is waiting, waiting for heaven to break into the earth. So what's your view of the afterlife? Or have you ever even thought about life after life after death? Friends, we need to grab a hold of that hope. Because the more we have an understanding of that hope, it's not an escapism from the realities of this world. And that's what's happened historically sometimes, even with the Christian church, is an escapism. That future defines our present reality. And it will alter the course of even some of the anxiety and frustration and weariness you have in your own present life. We are a part of a huge plan, a redemptive plan of God. And he is at work. This wasn't only just something spoken of by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. The new heaven and the new earth. You can go back to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 65, verse 17. And he says, see, I will create a new heavens and a new earth, referencing God speaking to him and why he wrote it down. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Can you imagine that? You know, a lot of times we look back on our childhood and we romanticize it and things. My uh, daughter recently said, after seeing a house that we grew up in, well, it's not as big as I remember it. You know, we, we sort of grandiosize things or maybe you look back and some, it's more pain issues. It's hard when you look back. But do you know when you look back from heaven and the new heaven and new earth, it, you, you know, the things of the limitations of this world, uh, they won't come to mind the former things. You'll be living in a new reality in the presence of God and all of his beautiful restored creation that will cause you to sort of forget about COVID-19 cause you to forget about some of the challenges you're having at work or in your family right now. It's not an escapism and ignore it. It's to call you forward to have hope and to deal rightly and live with it as you move in that direction. He goes on to say, be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. That's one place in the Old Testament refers to the new reality. Another place is one of the oldest books that was ever written, was penned about a guy's life who had everything and he lost everything. Do you know what his name was? His name was Job. And it says this in Job 19. This is Job crying out to God and telling people around him when he was in the midst of embarrassment in one sense because he had everything and then he lost everything because Satan said, I can tempt Job and he'll, he'll turn from you, God. But what Job said is this in Job 19, verse 25, I know that my de Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. Can I pause there for a second? Where's the Redeemer at here? The Redeemer is standing on the earth. It's this idea of, Heaven flooding into the earth rather than us being lifted and teleported into some, uh, you know, spiritual dimension where we play harps and just, you know, you know, has soul sleep or something. 
Friends, get a grip on what Job got a grip with. He knew his hope someday was his Redeemer would live and he would stand on the earth. That refers to the bodily resurrection of Christ, actually. You often wonder where's resurrection referred to at in Scripture? Well, here's a plate in the Old Testament, I mean. It's here in Job 19, 25. And then he says, And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. What's that referring to? His resurrection. How can you see God in the flesh if your skin is destroyed? It's because a resurrected body will be given to you in the new heaven and the new earth. And that resurrected body will be an immortal body. And you will live through eternity forever. And here was Job's hope in the midst of all of his frustration, grabbing a hold of that beautiful, incredible truth. My Redeemer lives. He will stand on the earth. My skin, even though it's destroyed and everything happens to me here, my flesh, I will see God. And it called him forward. And then verse 27, I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. You know, there's all kinds of questions about heaven. Will we know one another? Uh, will we be recognized? Those kinds of things. Friends, you're getting a new body, but it's still you. Jesus Christ, though he had a resurrected body, wasn't at first identified by some of the disciples, but then their eyes were enlightened. And yes, it was him. And he, he knew they were doubting. And he said, give me some fish. And he took a fish and he ate it to say, I got a real body. And friends, in the new heaven and the new earth, you will be yourself. You won't be somebody else. And you will recognize your loved ones. You will understand people from every language, tribe, and nation are there to declare the glories of God. It's going to be a lot of sitting down, getting to know one another. Friends, I look forward to sitting down and talking to my friend Robbie Zacharias someday and say, wow, that was an incredible exit you had. What was in your minds in those days? You see, it's you that God has redeemed if you're a follower of Christ. And He is calling you into the future because the future is invading the present. The future is invading the present. In fact, I believe it was back here, a couple, three slides. I might have missed it. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, it says, In Christ all will be made alive, but each in their own turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come. Christ's resurrection, first fruits. We will be resurrected. The end will come, the new heaven and a new earth, coming into this world. Friends, we have this hope. Grab a hold of it. This was depicted this last week of Ravi's entrance as the great Christian apologist, his homecoming into heaven. It's the real you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. God says, welcome into your place of rest. Now, it's interesting because this depicts some esoteric state of walking on clouds or those kinds of things. I understand that. But I want to just talk for just a second on something. The way you live now is controlled by what you believe about the future. The way you live now is controlled by what you believe about the future. And for Ravi, I knew as he aged and he grew more mature and more diversified and even well-known in the world, he said the greatest thing would be able to bring people back to Christ even after trying to answer their questions of skepticism or whatever it may be of meaning in life. I want you to know that what you believe about your future is controlling your life today. That's why for me, Gary, why aren't you preaching anymore? Or they're calling, living into it. I'm like, That's right. This is eternal stuff. This is just about, you know, getting the next car or the next upgrade iPhone or something like that or trying to just persevere with another degree or, you know, work your way into a better job title. There's a much bigger story going on. And you need to be controlled by that bigger story of the new heaven and a new earth and allow it to direct and guide and lead your life today. Yes, there's the intermediary heaven when Christians die, the life after death, and the new heaven and the new earth, when Christ returns, life after life after death. There's a lot of questions I don't fully know. 
I was looking into Randy Alcorn's thoughts this week some, and he was referencing that whole intermediary state. In Luke 15, it talks about the woman who lost the coin and was trying to find the coin. And when she found the coin, she rejoiced. And then uh, Jesus references that as that in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God, one sinner who repents. And he was talking about this intermediary state of heaven. It's like, is it a soul sleep? Is it not? And the different people have different opinions. You may have that. But he was referencing this verse about those who have gone before us. It doesn't say that there is rejoicing by the angels. It says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. And could it very well be that that's referencing those who have died in Christ and gone ahead? My mom's in that number. Ravi's in that number. Your lost ones are in that number that are in Christ. That in the presence of angels, they have some sense of knowing and understanding what's going on in this earth. That's controversial to some people. But there's verses like this, as well as Alcorn states this, when he opened the fifth seal, Revelation of 6, verse 9, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. It's referring to the martyrs who have died for the faith in Christ that have gone before us. And then it says this, they called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. The martyrs are looking, they're observing, they're watching. God, when's the time? When are you going to avenge the blood of us being killed for the faith? Is there an awareness in the intermediary heaven of people who have gone before us of what's happening here on this earth? There may very well be. That gives us hope in one sense about our loved ones on this Memorial Day weekend. They are maybe not in some type of soul sleep state until the new heaven and the new earth comes and the resurrection of all the dead. But God in his sovereignty knows I have a really pea-sized brain with my finite thinking down here and there's no way I could comprehend all things. But when you see verses like this, it starts to make you wonder, could they know? Scripture's adamant there's one mediary between man and God and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Praying to the saints is not in Scripture. But then you wonder, I wonder if the saints, those who have gone before, pray for us if they're watching. If they're watching, trying to rejoice over one sinner who would repent, maybe somebody they'd prayed for and encouraged their whole life. Maybe it's somebody uh, that's lost their life and wanting the justice of God to prevail. I don't know. I'm not here to declare that. I'm here to get you to think. Question, what is the new normal with life after death? And what's the new normal with life after life after death? I want to be real clear on one thing as we try to answer that question, and it's this. In John 14, it says this, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know who spoke that? Jesus. When? When he was looking at going to the cross. I actually used this passage in our Wednesday devotionals at 1 p.m. And you're welcome to join us on Zoom. Connections always on Facebook to find us there. We do devotions online every Wednesday. I referenced this passage a couple weeks ago and was deeply touched because in part that whole last statement, uh, where I am, there you may be also. That's what my long mom longed to be, was in the presence of her Jesus. Her future controlled her present. And that's why I saw her, my siblings saw her, and grandkids saw her following the Lord all the days of her life because she longed for that being in the presence of Jesus. And he took her to be with him this last fall. You see, that's reality. It's palatable. You need to know this today. What is life after death and life after life after death? There's one thing 
that you can rest assured with. And that is for life after death and life after life after death. For the Christ follower, the new normal, the new normal of eternity is principally life lived in the presence of Jesus with a new body in God's new heaven and earth. Does that hope convict you? Does that hope reassure you? Right after those words, Jesus said these, and you know the way where I'm going. Ha, that's where Thomas spoke up, doubter Thomas. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus proclaimed this powerful truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Friends, you can know Christ and you can have your eternity secure if you are in him. That's why just a few verses later in John 14, 19, there's this word, because I live, you also shall live. I want you to watch this radio broadcast of an interview that Ravi Zacharias did just last summer. He did it uh, with Eric Texamus, a conservative radio host, and you'll see where John 14 comes to play in his life. Because in his story, that autobiography, Walking East to West, he talks about him attempting suicide at the age of 17 by putting poisons in his system because he couldn't live up to expectations and all was going on. And God reached out of the heavens and saved and redeemed Ravi's life. Watch this interview. I'm sitting here with Ravi Zacharias, Christian apologist, author, uh, former cricketer. Uh, Ravi, you just took us to the darkest place anyone could ever go, which is to say to the point of death by one's own hand. You mercifully survived. And so what happens at this point? You are 17 years old. I'm sure your family is horrified. Uh, and you said someone came to you on the hospital bed who was a Christian. And I think it's important for the listener to know, you know, oftentimes there are different reasons for one who would go through that dark stage. Sometimes there are definitely some psychological, uh, neurochemical issues at work and so on. Uh, it was none of that for me. For me, it was the pursuit of meaning and uh, struggling to be accepted by a very disciplined dad and a dad who was tough on me for reasons that he had. I wanted to sort of shame me into reality. I'm sure that's what he meant. But uh, when I went through that dark stage, this gentleman whom I had heard once before, met once, worked for, worked for Youth for Christ. But I was, I was not in the clearest state of mind, you know, lying in that bed and dehydrated, which meant I couldn't use my limbs, I couldn't lift my hand. And he came into the room uh, with a Bible in his hand and wanted to read it to me. And my mother was sort of surprised, saying, how did you even get here? He's in intensive care. He said, well, I'm a minister, and uh, so on. But uh, he, she wouldn't let him stay. Uh, so he opened it to the Gospel of John, John chapter 14, and had my mother read it to me. My mother was a teacher, but English was not her first language, a very heavy accent in English. And here was the King James version. She's holding it in her hand, reading it, and I'm having a hard time tracking what she's saying. But you know, the amazing thing to me, again, how God orchestrated this all, that conversation in John 14 is with Thomas. And Thomas is the one who was the first one to bring the gospel to India yeah. and paid with his life. Yeah. And so the exclusivity passage is there. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. But I was going past all of that until in verse 19, Eric, it's like a bolt of lightning in a moment of pitch blackness. Uh, uh, because I live, you also shall live. Because I live, you also shall live. And with nobody explaining it to me, it had to be the Holy Spirit of God because I was green as far as the scriptures were concerned. Never opened a Bible in my life before. And just say, thinking to myself, whatever this live is about is not what my life was about. And so it's Jesus, of course, talking. And I said, Jesus, if you are who you claim to be here, 
I want that life that I do not have. If this is the life you offer to me, and I promise if you will take me out of this hospital bed, I will leave no stone unturned in my pursuit of truth. That was the line. I will leave no stone unturned in the pursuit of truth. That's pretty intense for a 17-year-old. Very intense, but that's the way I was. I, I still, I'm still a lover of words. I'm a lover of articulating something yeah. with precision. And I said, this is how I'm feeling. And the irony of it is, Eric, years later, when my mother passed away, my dad asked me what verse I wanted on her, on her gravestone, and I took John 14, mm -hmm. 19. Many, many years went by. And I was in Delhi, and uh, my wife, Margie, who's Canadian, she said to me, you have talked so much about your grandmother dying. Have you visited her grave? I said, no. I said, let's find it. And fortunately, in Delhi, there's only one Christian cemetery at that time. We found it, but they couldn't find the, the particular grave. I mean, nobody had been there for decades. Um, she died uh, when, uh, in the 50s, and we're not talking about the 90s, okay? So four decades had gone by. So we found the mark but it had sunk. We found the plot number, I should say, uh, through contacting the registry. And so I called a gardener with his shovel and bucket, and he starts digging and digging and digging, and the dirt's coming up. He's going deeper and deeper and deeper. And I just thought somebody had already plundered the grave. Then he hits stone, some marble slab. And as the stone begins to clear, my wife is standing next to me, and she grip, gripped my arm. And there's the name of my grandmother, Agnes D. Monicum the date of birth, the date of death in 55. Because I live, you also shall live. My grandmother had that on her grave. That, I mean, that is a story. Ravi, yeah. this is one of those stories for people who don't believe in miracles. Yeah. I mean, just the idea that that was the scripture that God used to bring you to faith. Right. Then the idea that it should be on your mother's grave. Then the idea that you should somehow decide to go looking for a grave which is buried underground, which no one would see unless you happen to go there. That's correct. And then as if, you know, f f floating out of the past, here it comes, the same scripture. I, I, I know God has spoken to me that way sometimes, and people often think, well, it's coincidental or it's this or that. But I, I think that when it happens to you, because we serve a personal God, you know it is not coincidental. You know it, it's God's way of winking at you and saying, just in case you wondered whether I'm paying attention to these details, what do you think of this? I planted this here in the mid-50s, and you see it now. I mean, that, that's staggering. It was uh, quite astonishing to Margie and to myself, and we just stood there. And actually, a long story followed after that. I contacted the Delhi Cemetery Authority, and I said, this stone is just about falling apart. Can we put a new one in? And they said, well, the rules of laws have changed. But I built it up, and my younger brother and I paid for that stone, and now it's very clearly set up in sort of three little layers mm. with the same wording. But, yeah, you know, it's one of those Luke 24-moment uh, type thing where Jesus connects all the dots for the disciples. You know, he's telling them all from the beginning how all of this was meant to be. And they invite him in for dinner, and when he breaks the bread, they say, wow, well, we, we did not know who was with us at this time. I think in life, God does that on many punctuated moments. Yeah. Just enough to remind you, uh, I'm with you all the way. It's, uh, it's so... That's an incredible story, isn't it? I want to ask you, could the words of Jesus that were recorded in that verse, John 14, 19, be instrumental in changing your life this moment? Jesus says, because I live, you also shall live. If your life is not one that is fully alive in Christ, then you have the opportunity of seeing the resurrected Christ come and dwell within you wakening you up to a new life that you will live eternally with him. Will you pray with me? Lord, in this moment, I know not who is still watching via live stream or watching a video later, but Lord, you know that heart you created them. And Lord, you redeemed them. You laid your life down for them and you desire to call them friend. And if they would reach out to you in this moment, Lord, I know 
that you will quicken them, regenerate them, and make them alive. So Lord Jesus, I just ask this, and if you're um, viewing this and your heart needs to know Christ today, then I offer you the evangel, the good news, that Jesus Christ came to forgive your sins, to quicken you and come and dwell within you, to awaken you to a full life in this day and age, and for you to live with him eternally in a new heaven and a new earth. Repeat these words after me if you've never crossed that line and in the sincerity of your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for what you did for me, that you love me to the point of death on a cross, and I thank you that through your cross and your resurrection, you provide forgiveness of my sins. I now repent of my sin and turn from that indifference, maybe a sinful lifestyle, a life of deadness. And I invite you to come into my life as my Savior and as my Lord. Jesus, from this day forward, I will choose to live with you. And I know that I will live forever. Amen and amen. You know, if you prayed those words of prayer, it's exciting for me and many others. Don't hesitate to communicate those back through the website or email me at pray at theawakening.church. You know, the last text that Ravi actually sent out um, pretty much is believed to be this one that I shared last week. It said, the story of the gospel is the story of eternal life. My life is unique and will endure eternally in God's presence. I will never be no more. I will never be lost because I will be with the one who saves me. If you get a chance this uh, Friday, uh, May 29th at 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 Eastern, there's going to be a memorial live stream service and different people are going to join in and give tributes and talk about Ravi, of course, his family and his close friends, uh, leaders of his ministry, uh, but also, Jim Cimbala of Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Uh, Tim Tebow is going to be sharing. Uh, Lecrae and Matt Redman are going to be singing. And uh, Louis Giglio from the Passion Movement is also going to be sharing. Some of these people walked fairly close with him. And I love it that he's got these younger people because he was reaching uh, the young adults of our world. Watch his videos. Read his books. Let God use this man who was instrumental in my life, be instrumental in your life. And I pray that we too will pick up the cause to be an evangelist for Christ all the days that we're on this side of the eternal heaven. There's a final tribute by an um, artist that uh, if you have time to just sit there and watch for another five or six minutes, I think you'll enjoy. And hearing some other words of Ravi intertwined, uh, he had that hope and he is now experiencing that hope. May you have that hope and may it be so rich and real that it controls your present life but causes you to live with your head upright in these challenging days. God bless and have a great week. You see, time is the canvas on which you present your portrait. Eternity is the keyhole that takes you into the gallery that gives you the whole story. You may just think it's your story right now. One day you will look through the keyhole of eternity and see his entire plan. All of history is fused with his meaning because history is ultimately his story. Are you disappointed? Are you desperate for help? You know what it's like to be tired and only a shell of yourself. But you start to believe you don't have what it takes. Cause it's all you can do just to move, much less finish the race. An eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Don't forget what lies ahead. Almost hope, brother, it won't be long. Soon all your burdens will be gone. 
the threads together. And when you see the ultimate design, you will be the most shocked. I was 17 years old on a bed of suicide when I tried to take my own life. And for the first time, a Bible was opened before me in my life. And when I heard the gospel being given there, Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. For the first time, I found out what life was really all about. No wonder Habakkuk said, I shall rejoice in God, my Savior. This road will be hard, but we win in the end. Simply because of Jesus and us, it's not it, but when. So take joy in the journey. Maybe that death's bright angel will speak in that court again. It may be that only in heaven I shall hear that grand amen. I know that the cross brought heaven to us. Make no mistake, there's still more to come. When our flesh and our bone are no longer between. We are right now and we're Knowledge of this life is small, the eye of faith is dim, but it is enough that Christ knows all, and I shall be with him. says but just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven of touching a hand and finding it God's of breathing new air and finding it celestial of waking up in glory and finding it home